Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. For this week's episode, we are going to talk about a recently released lo-fi horror movie, as that's how it's being described, and I guess that's a pretty good description. Of course, over the years, there has been many of these types of films with found footage and such being popular. However, there was really only two that seemed to capture audiences and create a substantial buzz. That, of course, is The Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity. Every once in a while, there comes along one of these small-budget horror films that's made with amateur actors, and it's a giant hit. I don't see this film in particular being a giant hit, but considering it was estimated to be made with only $15,000, which is an impressive feat on its own, and making almost $800,000 its first weekend, I would say that's a pretty big hit, even if it's not going to become the smash hit success that The Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity became. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I think it's time we announce tonight's movie. Starring Jamie Hill, Lucas Paul, Ross Paul, and Dally Rose Tetralo. This is the 2022 soon-to-be Shudder-exclusive Kyle Edward Ball-directed Skinamarink. Alright, so Skinamarink. I'm going to do my best to actually give a synopsis of this one, as it's kind of an arthouse film that doesn't really have a lot of story and you just sort of have to go with it. But for the most part, this one is about two children... Kyle and Kaylee, who wake up to find that their father is missing, along with their mother, and they're stuck in a house where all the doors and windows have vanished. In addition to their parents seemingly vanishing and just showing up whenever, there's also an appearance of a dark figure throughout the house that seems to be watching them and casting weird tricks for the children throughout the film. And honestly, that's pretty much it as far as the plot. It's going to be fairly difficult to actually go and sift your way through and figure out which story you like best, as there's a couple different things going on throughout. This is a film that is low budget, and it does its best to hide that with some of the various camera filters, which honestly are pretty impressive. I really don't think that this is a film that is shot on like very grainy 16mm, but instead it's been digitally tinkered with in editing. But honestly, I really liked the digital filtering that they had. It was something that really did give the film a unique identity as well as its own voice. This is one that's almost 100% reliant on its child actors, and I think they all did a great job. However, we really don't get to see them too much as a lot of this is just supposed to be a first-person experience. So again, that is something else that makes this one pretty unique. Before I actually go and continue this podcast, I do want to say that there's going to be spoilers coming up because I do want to go and provide my own thoughts of what was actually happening. So throughout the film, we actually get a couple of instances where we're clued in to things that might be happening. And a lot of this really does feel like childhood trauma. Almost everything that we see here in this film, we're assuming takes place at night. However, there's no windows and this is a very dark film. 
not just from a content standpoint, but also from a look standpoint. Which makes sense. Because as this film goes on, it really does seem to tap into the childhood fear of not having our parents and being left alone, and to take that idea one step further, a broken home where a child's mom and dad might be divorced or getting a divorce and all of a sudden a parent would be there one moment and then the next they would be gone. It was not the life that the child originally had become accustomed to. And I think that it really does solidify that with this movie where you see the father and then you see the mother. However, they're not there at the same time. But then while you have the idea of divorce and what the child might be going through, the film goes and completely turns its back on that theory, as we also, very early in the film, get clued into that Kyle was up walking around because he sleepwalks, and also he bumped his head. So maybe all of this film is taking place inside of Kyle's mind, and who knows, he might be in a coma somewhere. It could be a case that all of these things that are being played out in front of us are happening inside of this child's mind while he's in the coma. And these could be legitimate fears that he would have. We're never actually given a clear answer, and I think that's what makes the film interesting in itself. If we were given those specific answers, I don't think this would actually be an interesting film as a whole. Mostly because, yes, this film was directed, but a lot of these shots that we get in the film are static shots. It's almost as if we're watching a series of pictures that only occasionally have moments of movement in them. Which is perfectly fine because this way of shooting a film truly works for what's presented. However, don't go into this thinking that we're going to be getting a lot of action or anything on screen because you're simply not going to get it. You're also not going to get a whole lot of blood and gore, even though there is a moment towards the end, well a few moments actually, where blood does make an appearance, which gives the next suggestion, which is probably the darkest of them all, and that's that the children and parents were killed and possibly stuck in a state of limbo inside of this house. Which, honestly, again, is a terrifying thought if you think about it too much. Of course, this is another thing that was carried out in the film A Ghost Story. I have seen some YouTubers and critics compare it to that idea. But where that film didn't really have a darkness to it, Skinnamarink definitely does. But then again, these two films, Skinnamarink and A Ghost Story, they're in two different genres. A Ghost Story is a drama, where this one is definitely a horror film. Me, personally, I haven't decided which theory I like best out of all the suggestions that's given to us. I do know that the companion short film that was released to the internet called Heck by the same director, Kyle Edward Ball, provides a little bit of a different spin on the same type of idea and the same style as what we got here. And I do know that that short film came out before Skinnamarink, and honestly, it really does fit pretty well with the ideas and concepts that are presented with Skinnamarink. One of the things for me with this one is that I heard about it through website Bloody Disgusting, 
and different advertisements saying about how scary it was. And the film itself is not outright scary. There is little moments of jump scare things, but it's not like it's actually going to make you jump unless you are easily startled. And the film tries to use this to its advantage by making purely quiet moments all of a sudden loud. But I have to say, as much as I did actually like the visual presentation, I didn't really like the audio design. Yes, that lo-fi hiss throughout was pretty cool, but some of the things in the movie were mostly annoying as opposed to actually being scary. And honestly, that is where it's going to divide a lot of the audience. A lot of people are going to see this one, not think about it too much and say, yes, it was a complete waste of my time. However, if you go back and think about it a little bit, it is a very thought-provoking film, and it's not a traditional horror film in the traditional horror film sense. And that's where the film largely succeeds, but it also plays to being a part of its downfall. Many viewers are going to say, yes, this one was not scary, mostly because there wasn't a whole lot of blood and gore, there wasn't a whole lot of intensity throughout the film. It's just that if you put yourself into the mindset of a child with all of this stuff going on, then yeah, the movie is actually pretty scary. But was I scared of the dark by the end of it? No, but then again, I don't scare very easily, and I don't think this will scare too many other viewers. But there is a time where you have to appreciate what the filmmaker was attempting to do. I kind of feel the same way about this as what I do about the Blair Witch Project, a film that I know scared a lot of people in theaters. It didn't scare me one bit, and I really didn't care for the film back in the day. However, I do appreciate it now for what it attempted to do, and hearing the director Daniel Myrick talk about it a little bit when I went to a screening, it was actually pretty impressive what they were able to accomplish. Is it one of my favorites? No. Is Skinnamarink going to become one of my favorite films? And am I going to have to go out and rush and buy it as soon as it comes out? That's a definite no. However, I would actually view it again just to see if I could get a different perspective or a more definitive answer of what's actually going on, even though I already know that I'm not going to get those answers. So where I heard about this one through advertising, there's a good possibility that if you're out there listening to this and you are on TikTok, you may have heard someone or an influencer on TikTok talk about it. I've heard that this movie has made the rounds as far as being so incredibly scary and this and that. And how in the world did these people see it? Well, it just so happened to leak to the internet. I don't know if that was an intentional move or not, but it could have been an intentional leak just to drum up some interest in business in this movie, which also might have led Shudder, who picked it up with RJLE Films, to release it to theaters because there was a definite influencer hype on this one. I do have to say that I don't really know too much about that considering I am not on TikTok and probably never will be. I don't really care for that and I don't really like social media in general but it's kind of a necessary evil for what I do and keeping in touch with family and friends. 
as it stands, Skin and Marink is going to be one of these films that is definitely going to divide audiences. I don't think there's going to be a true middle ground of whether you can kind of sort of enjoy it. You're probably going to either like it or not like it. I'm more inclined to say that I like this one. And I would have to say that a good judge of whether you would like this one or not would be if you check out the short film, which is on YouTube, entitled Heck, which definitely feels like a nice companion, as I stated earlier. You should watch that first and see if it actually goes and interests you. If it does, then I would say Skinnamarink is one that you should probably give a shot and see if it's for you or not. But of course, if you want to go out there and support a small, low-budget film that was made for next to nothing by film standards, then I would definitely suggest going out there and trying to find a theater that is still showing it. Or you can wait till a couple weeks from now when it will be showing on Shudder. Either way, whether you like this one or not, you will have a definite opinion on it. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing and would like to reach out to me, you can do so at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends for that matter. Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice, as that will help me reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. But with that being said, remember to always be kind and good night.